Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. I want to welcome you to week number three of the Mercy Conundrum. I'm really glad that you're here. And I want to thank you as a church for listening, for leaning into biblical content, and also living it. I see so many of you seeking to extend mercy, and that's been our theme for a few weeks here. I see so many of you seeking to give mercy to other people, and it's a beautiful thing. So great job, church. I have the privilege of introducing our teacher today. It's Shiloh Pipping. Shiloh, yeah, you can welcome her. Works. Shiloh is our student ministry coordinator, and she serves with our 6th through 12th grade students and works hard to create compelling environments for them. I have three kids in that age range, so I am thankful for Shiloh and for all of our student ministry volunteers. They're doing a great job. We also have a treat today in that Shiloh's mom and dad are here from Valparaiso, Indiana, Brian and Diane Pipping. Will you help me welcome them? Woo-hoo. A little wave. Thanks, mom and dad. They're trying to hide in the back and just <laughs> be here to encourage their daughter. So please be sure to say hi to them. Brian is the lead pastor at Liberty Bible Church in Indiana. It's a multi-site church that is doing an effective job of blooming where they have been planted. So a real joy to have both of you here as well. So let's dive back into Luke chapter 10 and our story of the Good Samaritan. Make sure you have your talk notes, take those out, grab your Bible or your device, and help me welcome Shiloh Pipping. Well, good morning, everybody. As Eric said, my name is Shiloh, and I have been with our uh, middle school and high school students in Valley Point students uh, for the last 11 months. And it feels crazy to say that because I feel like it was just yesterday that I moved here and I started a new life halfway across the country from pretty much everything and everyone I knew. But at the same time, I feel like I've been here forever. So I just want to thank you uh, for opening up your homes, opening up your lives, opening up the lives of your children for me to be able to uh, become a part of that. So thank you so, so much for welcoming me and helping me to make this place my home. Well, over the last year, we have been able to do some really exciting things with Valley Point students. Uh, A huge praise is that we've actually grown in size. We have grown by 50% in our student ministry. Absolutely. (laughs) Praise God. It's been so exciting to watch that happen. We've actually also been able to create a new format where we have age-specific ministry for our middle school students as well as our high school students. And this happens, here's my one shameless plug of the night. It happens Sunday night, so tonight from 6 to 7.30, we have our middle schoolers over in the office building. Our high schoolers are here, and it's awesome 
But none of this would be possible without the amazing volunteers that we have who come out so um, often on Sunday nights and they're here and they're pouring into our students and they're loving them, not just here, but they're taking them out and they're doing service projects and they're checking in with them um, on the prayer requests that they had and they're involved in the lives of our students. So I cannot say thank you enough to all of the volunteers But also it's been great to watch our volunteers pour into our students and then our students to pour into the ministries happening here at Valley Point and serving in our community. I got to serve with uh, many of them yesterday at Love Day and that was amazing. God is doing great things here. One of the awesome things has been able to watch our students actually were involved in our Christmas initiative, which we did about a month ago. And we gave them just little bit of incentive. We said, hey, if you bring in $10 and if you can hit a target we set up with a Nerf gun, because we're youth ministry, we do this stuff. uh, And if you can hit that, then you get to pie me in the face. Turned out to be a little too motivational. We raised $175 and I got pied five times. We actually have a little video for you this morning, if you didn't catch it on Facebook, of the very first time I was pied. Check it out. Yeah, this is why we're talking about mercy this morning, right? Because that was not it right there. That was the first of five, and and Anthony, who pied me that, he pied me three more times. So, um, yeah, it was very, very intense. Thankfully, it did not break my nose, but it was close. So even in moments like that, I have loved being here, and I have loved being a part of our student ministry, and I'm so excited to see what God does in the future. Well, when our teaching team asked me to come and to speak in our series, The Mercy Conundrum, I was so humbled and very, very excited to come to you this morning to be able to open up the word of God and to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan, because I think that there are some amazing things that we can take away from um, this story and the word of God this morning. So I'm excited to get started with you. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about how to live a life of mercy. There's a few steps that we need to take. In the first week, we said that we need to see. We need to not just observe the people that are around us, but we need to be open-eyed. We need to be looking for injustice, looking for the pain and the hurt that we see in the people around us. We need to have open eyes, but it's not enough to just see them. The next week, we said that we needed to go. We talked about the difference between justice and mercy. And we said justice, like Lady Justice, which is um, a figure or a statue you see in many courtrooms across the Western world, Lady Justice has a blindfold on because justice is blind. We said that that's good for us, right? Because that means it's fair and it's unbiased and it can't be persuaded. It's just. But that's not mercy. We said mercy sees. Mercy sees the mess and the pain and the heartache that it's going to cause us to step in, and it goes anyway. So we must see, we must go, and then today we're going to talk about the third step and to live a life of mercy, and it's this, we must do. We must do something. It's not enough to see and to go, we need to do something. Let me give you a little bit of an outline of what we're going to talk about this morning, and then we'll get started, okay? Okay. So firstly, I'm going to give you a big idea. 
And this is going to be what we continue to go back to. This is going to be our anchor for this morning. And then after our big idea, we're going to go into the story of the Good Samaritan. We're going to look at it through a new filter. And then I'm going to give you two thinking points. and We'll wrap it up with some takeaways. Sound good? Thank you. (laughs) Awesome. Well, our big idea this morning is this, to live a life of mercy. We must push against our natural urge to disconnect. We live in a culture that is all about convenience. We want to live a life that's easy for us. It's all about our own convenience. Just think about this. Cell phones and social media, right? They're there to help us connect with other people, but they're the very thing that keeps us from connecting with the people right in front of us. Self-checkouts at a grocery store or maybe even an ATM. It's so much easier to just go there, scan your stuff, put it in the bag. You don't have to talk to the person. You don't have to have them tell you their life story or how they ended up here, anything like that. You can just get what you need and you can go. Even drive-thrus, you, you order your stuff on Starbucks and then you just, you don't even have to get out of your car. It's, I'm going to grab what's mine and I'm going to go. And we have even taken it to a new level where you might not know this, but you can actually go and attend virtual concerts. The very thing that we said, I want to go be in person, be around people, see somebody live. No, you don't even have to do that. Maybe many of you guys have heard of this thing called Fortnite. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go find someone who looks kind of younger. Ask them about Fortnite. They will tell you all about it. Fortnite is a video game that is online-based, and it's like all the rage right now, okay? So Fortnite teamed up with Marshmallow. Not the food, the artist. It's, yes, it's a real artist. Whoever you ask about Fortnite, ask them about Marshmallow. They'll tell you all about it, okay? So Marshmallow and Fortnite, they teamed up together to make a virtual concert to go on during the Super Bowl. So on Super Bowl night at 7 o'clock, if you didn't want to watch Adam Levine and his tank top and all of that, then you could turn in to Fortnite and you could watch a live concert with your friends' avatars and they're all dancing, watching Marshmallow as he's up there laying down all these beats. And it was awesome. And 125 million people went to that concert. And that's the level we're going to now to keep people away from us. Because if life is all about convenience, people are not convenient. But for us to live a life of mercy, it requires people. It requires the mess and the inconvenience that they bring into our lives. And that's why we need to push against our natural urge to disconnect if we want to live a life of mercy. Because mercy requires it of us. That brings us to our first thinking point, and it's this. Mercy requires displacement because it's messy. Displacement is a word we're going to continue to come back to. And it's uh, one that I found in this amazing quote. A book that we've really pulled a lot of thoughts out of is The God Impulse uh, by Jack Alexander. I, I highly recommend it. Eric spoke about it uh, about two weeks ago. Very, very great book, The God Impulse, Jack Alexander. In it, he quotes the theologian Henry Nouwen, and he says this, It is urgent that we reclaim the great tradition of displacement. 
It leads to compassion. By bringing us closer to our brokenness, it opens our eyes to our fellow human beings who seek our consolation and comfort. And with this, we disappear as objects of interest. For us to live a life of mercy, we need to make less of ourselves so that we can make much of others. When we do this, it allows us to live a life of displacement. We need displacement because mercy is messy. We need to make less of ourselves. The simple definition to displacement is just this. It's moving something from its place or position. It means that we need to reorientate our lives. It means that we need to make less of our schedules, our preferences, what we want in life. Because when we do that, it opens up space for us to allow messy, inconvenient people to come in and we can reach them. Displacement is actually the filter I would like us to use to look at the story of the Good Samaritan one more time. If we can see it through the eyes of displacement, I think we're going to be able to pull out some really great takeaways. So if you have a Bible with you or a device, go ahead, open up to Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 33. As you get there, let me give you a little bit of a background on what is happening. So an expert in the law comes to Jesus, and he's trying to trick Jesus. And if you've read the Bible before, that wasn't a good idea. But he comes and he tries to trick Jesus, and he says, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus, as he does so many times, just likes to flip it back on them and says, well, you're the expert in the law. Shouldn't you know? What is the greatest commandment? To cover himself, he's like, of course I know. Um, It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, good job, gold star, you got it. Now go and live that. But he's still trying to trick Jesus, and he says, well, Jesus, then I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Who's my neighbor? And Jesus, as he does many times, begins to tell a story. He says that there was a Jewish man who was coming from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on his way, he was robbed and beaten and left half dead on the side of the road. And in comes a priest, and he sees the man, probably has a thought of, that looks messy and inconvenient continues on his way. Next comes a temple assistant, sees the man. That's messy and inconvenient. I've got places to go. Continues on his way and then enters the despised Samaritan. We've learned over the last few weeks that the despised Samaritan, this this is someone who the Jewish man would have seen as, as like a mortal enemy. The Samaritans and the Jewish people, this was racial tension and hatred at its finest. They hated each other. But it's the Samaritan that we're going to look at that shows great displacement. Will you do me a favor? Will you stand as we read the word of God? Luke 10, starting in verse 33. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, The Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, 
take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. This is the word of the Lord given to us in love. You may be seated. When we look at this story and we see it through eyes of displacement, there is two ways that I believe the Samaritan truly displaced himself. And I think it's two ways that we can take away, that we can do ourselves. Firstly, he displaced his resources. He went, and when he saw the man laying there, he went over to him and he brought him wine, oil, bandages, and he took care of him. Those things, he probably was planning on selling wherever he was going to make a profit, to to bring back to his family. This is his business. This was his livelihood. And instead of going and doing that, he said, you know what? This man needs it more than I do right now. And he took the very thing that he was probably going to make money off of and he went and he gave it to somebody who needed it more. But it doesn't just stop there. No, he took him to an inn. And after caring for him all night long, he went to the innkeeper. He said, hey, here are two silver coins. In other translations, it says two silver denarii, which would translate to about one to two weeks stay at the inn. He was there. He was going to make sure that he got well. And then not only did he give him those two silver coins, but he also said, hey, here's like a blank check. Whatever he needs, however long it takes, however often he orders room service or whatever needs to be brought in for him, I will cover that. I will use my resources, all that I have. I will use it to help his enemy. And that is amazing to me. But it wasn't just his resources because a lot of time, especially in a country like ours where we are blessed financially, so many of us, and it's easy to just use our resources, but he takes it a step further. And he says, not only am I going to give my resources, but I'm going to physically displace myself. He didn't call somebody else to come and help this man. No, he himself went over there, bound up his broken limbs and picked him up took him to the inn, and all night long, he himself cared for this man. And we don't know if he had any sort of medical training. We don't know if he was a doctor. It's probably more likely that he was a merchant, that he was someone who didn't necessarily have these medical skills, but he said, this is what this man needs right now, so this is what I'm going to give him. And I think many of us, when it comes to physically displacing ourselves, we can get caught up in the questions of, Well, maybe I don't think that I I have what they need. I'm too young. I'm too old. I don't have the patience or the resources. And we have all of these things that keep us between uh, or that keep us from going and doing the right thing. But if we can learn from the Good Samaritan, it's this. Take what you have. The resources that you have, the talents you have, the time, the patience, the story that you have. God has given that to you for a reason, and it's not for you. It's for you to share, to displace, to give to somebody else in need. But I think something that's so important is that, yes, we can displace our resources, we can displace ourselves physically, but the first step to showing mercy is this. We need to come close enough to them to hear their story. 
Our second thinking point is this, that mercy requires proximity because things look better from a distance. When you're far away from something, it doesn't look that bad, but when you come close, when you really look at somebody, you can really see how bad it truly is. Jesus was the perfect example of this. Not only did he come from heaven to earth to be near us, to be near his enemies, to be near his creation, but constantly throughout his ministry, he was going to the people who were completely untouchables. They were outcasts. He was coming near to them. He was touching them. He was touching those with contagious diseases who were lame and blind and deaf and mute. And he was touching and healing them. And he would even touch the dead and bring them back to life. And what I think can escape us a lot of times is touching these people who were seen as unclean would then make Jesus himself unclean. It would make him an outcast. It would put him on the outside of, of everyone that he knew. It would allow people to look down on him. But Jesus, Jesus didn't care about any of that. Jesus, all he saw when he looked at a person in front of him, he looked past the mess and inconvenience. He looked past their sin. And he saw a human being made in his image in dire need of mercy. He came close enough to touch them. He knew their story. And if we are going to follow in Jesus's footsteps, we need to do the same thing. We need to simply ask the question, what is your story? But I will tell you this, if you want to continue a life of uh, convenience and you want to live a comfortable life, asking someone what their story is, is a dangerous question. Because if you get an answer, that starts to, to knock on the door of your heart. That starts to connect you to that person. And then it becomes a little harder next time to walk past them. It becomes a little harder to go back to a life of convenience. Ask anyone who's gone on a missions trip. Because when you hear someone's story, you come closer to them. Their cry for mercy then becomes your cry for mercy. So if you want to live a life of convenience then be aware that asking someone their story is a dangerous question. Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you, are, maybe God's pulling on your heartstrings and you're like, wow, you know what? I'm gonna go show mercy today. I'm gonna show it maybe a family member, a friend, or, or maybe you drive by um, someone who, who's homeless or in need every day on your way to work and you're like, I'm, I'm gonna do something about that. And that's great, praise God. You should do all of that but I want to give you a challenge. I want to give you a challenge that is very evident in our text. And it's this. The Samaritan didn't bind up the wounds of a family member. He didn't put a friend on the donkey. He didn't pay the tab for uh, even a neutral stranger. No. He did it for his enemy. He did it for somebody who he would have been raised to hate and who was raised to hate him. He did it for his enemy. And maybe there's some of you sitting here, probably similar to the people listening to Jesus, saying, that's a great story. I'm so glad that he did that. He helped his enemy. That's great. Doesn't really apply to me because 
Shiloh, if you knew, if you knew what they've done to me, if you knew the pain that they've put me through, if you knew how my dad abused me, if you knew how my mom's been manipulating me for years, if you knew how they have hurt me, if you knew what my coworker was like, if you knew what my child was like, if you knew what this person has done to me, you wouldn't ask me to show them mercy, to forgive them, to, to show them grace. You're right. I have no idea what you have been through. None. I'm not giving you this challenge. This isn't coming from me. This is coming from Jesus. Jesus challenged the audience then and he's challenging us now, challenging me now to love our enemies, to show mercy to our enemies because this is it. He will never, ever ask you to show mercy to someone that he hasn't already shown mercy to. When Jesus came and when he died on the cross for you, for me, for everyone who has ever lived, is living, or will ever live, we were all his enemies. It says in scripture that while we were still cursing his name, that he died for us and he saved us and he loved us and he took our punishment and he exchanged it for mercy. So he wants us to show that same level of mercy to other people. And for those of us who have received that mercy, who are we to say that someone is unworthy? Because Jesus loves them. He loves our enemies. He has shown mercy to our enemies. And we are called to do the same thing. The challenge this morning is we need to go show that same mercy. We need to show it to our enemies. Is everyone still breathing? We all still good? It's intense, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now that you've been challenged, and I hope that that can continue to sink in, can I encourage you guys this morning? Is that okay? Okay, here we go. If you call Valley Point Church home, you should be encouraged because Valley Point is taking displacement and proximity and they are championing it in mercy in our community. They are killing it. They're doing so, so good. And you are a part of that. For our Christmas initiative, you brought in $102,000 and we just got to give it away. We got to give it to four ministries, two locally, two globally, that are showing mercy to the least of these in great, extraordinary ways. You are doing that. And then yesterday, we had Love Day, and 121 of you came out, gave up your one day to sleep in. And you came out and served in five different ministries to show mercy, to come close to people, to hear their stories, and to show them mercy. Be encouraged. And if you're new here at Valley Point, you're still kind of kicking the tires, seeing if this is the place you want to be. I hope that you feel the love and the generosity of the people that are around you because it blows me away every time I walk in this building, every time I see people in our community. Know that we love you and we would love for you to join our mission of mercy in our community. Before we leave today, I just want to give you three quick takeaways. The first one is this, true service requires displacement. And I know I've been harping on this word all morning, displacement, displacement, but it's because it's so, so important. 
And I want us to look at one small detail of displacement that we didn't look at in the story of the Samaritan, and it's this. We know the end of the parable. We don't know the end of the story. We have no idea if that Jewish man survived. And if he did, if he changed, if his racial prejudice ever went away, we have no idea. But God doesn't call us to see the end of the story. God calls us to say, hey, in this moment or throughout this time period, I want you to go and show mercy. You may never know how it impacts that person, the situation, or the world around you, but we need to go and we need to do something. We need to show displacement and we need to show mercy. Secondly, who is God calling you to love and serve? We've talked about what Valley Point is doing as a whole, but what about you? Who is God calling you to love and to show mercy to? Maybe you don't have anyone that's really come to mind during this time. That's okay. But keep your eyes and your heart open. Because maybe in some inconvenient, messy way, God's going to bring somebody into your life this week or in the months to come. We need to be ready We need to be ready to displace the stuff that's going on in our lives and to come close to people and to show mercy. So be ready for the people that God is gonna bring into your life. And lastly, mercy does. Will you? Jack Alexander in his book, The God Impulse, gives this beautiful quote of what mercy looks like. And it says this, mercy looks and sees Mercy listens and hears. Mercy touches and feels. Divine mercy goes beyond what we feel in the moment, what we think might be practical. The more challenging the impulse is to follow, the more transformative it can be. And perhaps if enough people have the courage to follow God's impulse, we can change the world. If we are going to be people of mercy, then we need to see, we need to go, and we need to do. I hope this week that God will allow you to have some messy, inconvenient person walk into your life so that you can show them the same mercy that scripture says is new to us every morning. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Thank you for the mercy that Jesus has shown us, that it's new to us every single morning. God, thank you that Jesus has come close to us, that he displaced so much to just come and to hear our stories, to be a part of it, God. He gave us love and mercy. God, I pray for the people in here who, when they were challenged to love their enemies, God, that they have maybe a lot of pain, maybe a lot of hurt, maybe a lot of fear to be able to do that. God, I pray for those people specifically. Help them to just rest in the mercy that they've received. And God, bit by bit, day by day, help them to start to show mercy to the people that have hurt them the worst, the people who need mercy the most. God, I pray that as we walk out of here today, whoever may come into our path, whoever may interrupt us, Lord, help us to choose, choose people, to choose mercy, to push against the urge to disconnect 
and to choose to love and serve the people that you have put around us. God, you are good and we love you. Help us to move out in mercy today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.